Fork, fork. Exactly. So I'm actually from Sweden. I've always wondered if I went over there and talked like the Swedish chef, if that would be grossly offensive or if they'd just like try and talk back. So my guess is it's grossly offensive. Ah, whatever. Only one way to find out. There's only one way to find out. I actually know the town like my grandpa's from, so I could go over to Youngby and talk like the Swedish chef and just pretend to be like a, a relative, which I am. I like I still have <laughs> folks that live there. It'd be great. All right, let's uh, let's get episode <laughs> episode two of Eight Bit Bites going. Uh, we're talking about console crowdfunding. Dylan's eating peanut butter M&Ms in the background, and I'm pretty sure you can actually hear that bag moving, which is fantastic. Uh, today, we are going to talk a bunch about uh, Billy Mitchell in the news. He's got a fantastic tie, and uh, it's always out in front of his vest. Uh, let's see, Bard's <laughs> Tale 2. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong, man. <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, we are talking about uh, Pinball FX3, which uh, I guess uh, Williams has the rights to now. Other way around, but we'll talk about it. Oh, perfect. Okay. And uh, Arcade 1-Up. Uh, wow, that is a cool cabinet. He's doing a 12-in-1 arcade cabinet that I want real bad now. And let's see. Fig is crowdfunding Starflight 3. And, whoa, Deadpool Pro Pinball Machine, which is another thing I really want, but I can't actually afford that. I can probably afford the Arcade 1-Up thing, but that's about it. Uh, in addition, today's actual news subject is we are talking about uh, console crowdfunding and uh, consoles that have been crowdfunded. Some have been more successful than others, uh, all in kind of light of the Atari VCS, which um, was very, very successful, but... I, we'll talk about that later. And uh, we also have a question from Vinny to full circle our podcast. Vinny is just everywhere. So, anyway, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, Billy Williams? Billy Mitchell. Oh, uh, shoot, yeah, sure. So, Billy Mitchell, actually, there's a couple interesting tidbits. Yeah. Uh, here in Indiana, in Indianapolis, our capital, they are putting on a musical about Billy Mitchell, believe it or not. That's so weird. Uh, called Sorry, Dylan. <laughs> That's just weird. <laughs> uh, it's called The Redemption of Billy Mitchell, and it's all about uh, what happened after The King of Kong and then what we talked about last week and you guys have talked about before when it came out that he may have uh, used MAME to get some of his high scores. Anyways, um, he's been actually in Indianapolis for a few weeks now uh, at showings of his own musical, which is somewhat strange, but whatever. <laughs> it's very meta. I like it. Very yeah, Shia LaBeouf. So but while he's been up here, and unfortunately I was traveling, he was at one of my buddies' uh, barcades in Indianapolis called Tappers. And live on Twitch, actually, uh, Cliff, what you put in the notes, that was filmed at Tappers. When oh, he, very cool. He actually, in front of people I know, you know, got to the high score, got to the million point in Donkey Kong, and then just walked away. He was, you know, it, he is kind of very Billy Mitchell about it, right? He wasn't trying to beat the high score he just wanted to show that he could do it. He, that he could get to a million points. Correct. And he did it two or three times in, in you know, over a weekend. And this was, you know, at the beginning of well, middle August. Um, so he can do it still. And like, you know, like I said before, he is a much better gamer than I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, will always be. Whether he cheated once or not, he can, he's proven now over and over again that he can do it. So, so do you think he could actually beat the record? Because, I mean, like the current record is... I mean, what, 200,000 points more than the record, the, what he was setting this weekend? Because he, he was going just over a million and then, you know, popping out. But the current record's like, what, 1.2 something? Yeah, it's it's up there. And, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of interesting that 
he hasn't ever actually tried, you know, lately hasn't tried to push that. He just yeah. walks away when he gets past the score he was called out on. So I don't know what he's going to do. We'll he doesn't need to prove it to anyone. He knows it. Yeah. Well, and he still actually holds – I know he's been kind of kicked off the, the Donkey Kong leaderboards, but he still has records on other things that are considered valid, right? Or did he get kicked oh. off everything? Uh, I am not sure. I know uh, I know people who have watched him uh, kill screen a Pac-Man, so he can still wow. do that, you know. And I now it, as as someone who probably has more appreciation for this than I do, like I think it's cool. Like I, I'm very impressed by the the, <coughs> the records and the the high scores. Is that something that's interesting to watch? Because it takes what three three and a half hours to to get over a million points on a Donkey Kong. Um, if you have the right beers or an adult <laughs> beverage. And a lot of people hanging out, it can be fun, I'm sure. That's why um, you do it at Tappers. It makes sense. Yeah, uh, there are games out there. Uh, right now, there's a Nibbler documentary, uh, which is kind of like the snake game you used to play on your Nokia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you watch that, that takes three or four days to actually hit the high score anymore. So that that's a marathon. I do not wish to watch that. <laughs> and it's the, it's the same thing with Pac-Man, right? And luckily yeah. with the first Pac-Man, there's a spot you can put Pac-Man and the ghost won't hit him yeah. or find him for about seven or eight minutes. So you can actually run off and go to the bathroom. That's, um, that's nice. So real question is here. Are you going to go watch the Billy Mitchell musical? I mean, probably. <laughs> then you are definitely going to have to talk about that. I'm, I'm very excited about that. That sounds like the nichiest audience possible for anything ever. Right. Not only do you have to like be into retro video games, but you also have to be into like musical theater, I guess. <laughs> well, you also have to be like into a dude who looks like Satan that only wears a flag tie. So yeah, I don't know. Hey, you know, for what it's worth, he makes a really killer hot sauce too. Does he really? Yeah, that's his main business. He makes hot sauce in Florida and distributes it around the country. What Doesn't a, even make sense. What a weird guy. Like, I, I find his entire, everything about him just to be absolutely fascinating. I do not understand it at all. But, you know, I, I mean, more power to the guy, really. You know, he's he's made a good life for himself. He's gotten some notoriety and he's gotten some, some ups and downs. And what else could you really want more in life, I guess? Yeah, I mean. He's happy. He seems to be having fun. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Have you gotten the side of your pin of your uh, your cabinet signed by him yet? No, that was the problem because I was traveling for work. I was actually going to take my Donkey Kong marquee up to Tappers the the Sunday yeah. night. He was he was there the last night, and I didn't get up oh, there because I had to bummer. wake up at like three in the morning the oh, next that day. Sucks. So, what uh, what what do you think? I mean, give me your opinion. What makes Donkey Kong the game that everyone talks about? Like, I mean. Is it is it is it purely King of Kong that that made it the game to beat, the game to talk about, the game to high score on? I think nowadays, yes, definitely that that movie did it. I mean, Nibbler kind of did the same thing. That documentary was a little bit less, but you'll see Nibbler and Donkey Kongs are in high demand now. And you know, Donkey Kong is just a super fun game, yeah. and it's actually fairly hard. Yeah, I suppose right. Donkey Kong does have the advantage over a lot of other classic games in that, you know, they brought a new Donkey Kong game, you know, two months ago. So it, right. it is still current. You have an iconic game mixed with an eccentric person who created an interesting documentary. So there's a lot of things, yeah. I think, that happened to make that, to keep that game alive, maybe. Yeah. To- yeah. I, uh, I did realize before we move on to Pinball FX3, which now that I actually read it, I did hear about this. Um, I, I forgot that we forgot to introduce ourselves. And since this isn't our normal podcast, there's probably someone here that maybe if you didn't catch the first episode, you may not know. So anyway, Cliff Johnson, you hear me on Bite Me Podcast every week. We've got the Dylan over here as well. 
Or Franz. Or, yeah, or Franz. <laughs> we'll get to that too. Uh, and then on the on the Skypes, we have our, my good friend Hans. Say hey. Hi. How you doing? You hey. Um, you can find me in the Discord as Mansocks. So there if you, you want to chat, he is there. Um, anyway, I just I just remember we forgot to do that, and I'm way worse at running shows than Adam is. So we we caught back up anyway. Let's talk about Pinball FX3 because this is really cool. So you know, for years now there has been. Uh, virtual pinball machines out there, right? Yeah. So, or or even playing pinball on your Switch, on your PC, whatever. There and there's been a couple different uh, major pinball programs, right? Pinball FX, and then also Pinball Arcade. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Pinball Arcade's been kind of. I'm not a big fan of that one. Their physics are a little off, but they were able to get the rights to the Bally Williams tables. So all of the titles that you remember. From back in the day, if you were a pinball guy, you know, Black Knight, F-14, Adam's Family, uh, Twilight Zone, all of those, they had the rights to those and they reproduced them. Uh, the, You know, and they were fine. But Pinball FX came along and has just revolutionized uh, virtual pinballs to the, fa- to the point where, you know, there are companies building virtual pinballs tables running this software, you know, to where you have a stand-up cabinet really that looks just like a pinball machine um oh yeah and so you put an lcd in the back and an lcd in the in the where the pinball you know play field goes and it emulates that um you know it and in in that way it kind of in the past has been kind of mamey where you know there are people that you know took the pinball roms and whatever and were able to recreate that um you couldn't do that in pinball fx uh, because it's all licensed stuff, but Pinball FX has been making these really cool three-dimensional tables that you know you couldn't do on a real pinball machine, right? So they've actually been really cool. But uh, this story makes it neat because the Pinball Arcade people lost the Bally Williams uh, license. Pinball FX was able to pick it up, and now they're building those tables into this really great pinball physics recreation engine. That's um, super cool. And I got so excited about this. Uh, me and four buddies are going in. We're building our own virtual pinball machines. So I'll have to post Just pictures. One as we more go reason to it. come to your house. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's super cool. I, uh, I I actually played. I won't say a bunch of pinball this weekend or last weekend, but uh, I definitely played some. Uh, they uh, at PAX they had the folks from. Um, Ground Control, yes. is that right? Yeah, the big arcade down in Portland brought up a ton of classic games, uh, classic arcade games, and a bunch of pinball games. My kid loves pinball. In fact, he's like, "Dude, we need to go to we need to go to Hans's house so I can just play pinball and skee ball all day." I'm like, <laughs> "That's that's totally worth the plane trip." Um, it is. It is. <laughs> Obviously, it is. But uh, he had a great time. We played. I can't remember. I played two or three different ones. Uh, one was actually like a World Cup soccer game. That uh, was really fun, like old World Cup. I've got to think from oh, probably the early 90s, I would guess. And uh, it was yep. cool because you could play it multiplayer, and it was it scored like you were actually playing soccer against each other. It was really cool. You could actually score goals. They had a goalie. There was penalty kicks. It was, it was a really cool pinball game. So we did a little bit of that. I also had the high score on Tetris yeah. for pretty much the entire day, but I think it's just because I was the only one playing Tetris. It was so. pretty funny that we went to PAX, and then we ended up just playing these old arcade yeah, yeah. games. <laughs> like, it was really cool. But it was also interesting because I watched Cliff play Tetris as someone who probably grew up playing Tetris. Yeah. He far surpasses how good I will ever be at Tetris just from, like, natural ability, I guess. Yeah. Um, it was weird. Like, just, like, watching Adam kind of play. He was playing Puyo Puyo Tetris yep. the other day. And I, they just play Tetris so much differently than I ever did. I don't know. Just 
that was a game that was, I mean, of the time. Yeah. So I've played so much, so much Tetris. Right. So much Tetris. So it was mind blowing. It's all good. I actually played another pinball game. Like, so if, if you've, have you taken a look at uh, Yoku's Island Express at all yet, Hans? No, you keep talking about it, and I keep meaning to. So good. I actually beat it the other day. It's really, really, really good. But uh, So that one's kind of pinball-based. Uh, oh, I played it. It was called Zombie Rollers. It's actually a tower defense game that uh, it's coming out. It's in closed beta now, or maybe it's coming out. I think it's coming out soon. Where uh, So it's it's like a, a tower defense game, but your tower is actually a, a like a pinball machine. So you actually like shoot the ball out and then flip it to kill the things that are coming at you. It was, it was a, It's the second pinball-themed, like... Pinball adjacent game that I've played lately, and it's kind of an interesting, it's kind of an interesting uh, genre of games that you're starting to see more and more. So, pinball's cool, man. So now I have I have one more question on uh, on Pinball FX3. Um, so it's on the Switch, correct? It is. Do you do you play it sideways? Like, can you can you play it long ways? Do you know? I have not used the Switch yet. I've got it on, you know, I turn my monitor sideways when yeah. I'm playing it right now to test it, so. Wouldn't that be cool, though? Like, the Switch seems like the perfect thing to have with just, like, holding the actual thing, like, long ways so you can actually see the full length of the table. Seems like it'd be pretty cool. You'd need to figure out how to do bumpers, you know, but, yeah, that'd be pretty well, cool. Well, you could hold it by the bottom. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could, okay. you could probably, like, the two little buttons are pretty close to each other, though, mm-hmm. so that might not work. I feel like they could totally give you some gimmicky pinball attachment that you oh, could totally. just, like, dock your Switch into and play pinball. I mean, you could use the, th- the your thumbs on the switch, the bumpers, maybe, or you could yeah. just use the, yeah. the, the, like, directional pads so you could do, like, you know, A and X or whatever, but so, anyway. Well, Cliff, Cliff, you have a Rift, right? I do, yeah. Or a... I've got so, a, yeah, yeah. You should play Pinball FX3 in that. You're actually standing at the table. Oh, that's so cool. That's so yeah, cool. Yeah, and you can you can get a thing that stands up and emulates the actual end of the pinball machine too, but that might be a little over the top. <laughs> that's that's way over the top, but I love the idea. Of it. That's really cool. I did not know that. Actually, that'd be a cool way to play almost any like retro-y kind of game. You could You could really make that work. That'd be cool. Yeah, you should check it out because I, I don't that. have VR yet, so you should tell me if that's any I good or not. I will let you know. All right, on next to uh, the new Arcade 1-Up Deluxe 12-in-1 Arcade Cabinet. This thing is cool. We spent we talked last time about – were those also Arcade 1-Up cabinets? Yeah, it's it's all – yeah, exactly. So they were – there are five or six, but this one is – it has 12 games in it. It comes with the stand that makes it actually, you know, a normal arcade cabinet height, and it has 12 games instead of three or four. And those games – And these are – they're good. rare ones. Yeah. So it, let's see if I can make this a little bit bigger so I can actually see. So I got Asteroids. I've got Centipede, Missile Command. Oh, man, I can't see that one. Oh, so you got uh, Major Havoc, which is a, a very early, very awesome um, vector game. Yeah. Lunar Lander, Tempest. Uh, Crystal Caverns, which I know you're not a fan of, but I love. No. Yeah, Crystal Castles is terrible. Yes. Oh, castles is crystal. Is that the same as Crystal Caverns and Crystal Castles? The same type of game? I've never heard of Crystal Caverns. Maybe so I'm making it up. <laughs> it might just be <laughs> Crystal Cat. Did you play it with like a rollerball? Crystal Castles, yes. Yeah. Okay, so so that, that must be what and I'm if thinking you, of. If you look at the the controller for yeah, the arcade really cool. one up, you know it has uh, the roller, but it also has the spinner for the games like Tempest and Major Havoc. So oh, that's so cool. So cool. And then what we got Liberator, it looks like, and Quantum. Quantum. Oh, that's those are some just top shelf games. And this thing's only, I mean, I'm gonna put only in air quotes, but four hundred bucks comes out and and oh, that's tempting. Now you actually changed your pre-order to this one, right? 
I did. So the all the other games are three hundred dollars, two ninety nine. But this one comes with a fifty dollars stand, like I said, to make it higher. So you're paying fifty more bucks for you know eight more games, yeah. basically. Oh, that's really. And cool. this is Best Buy exclusive. Yeah, and you can pre-order now. So if you, I mean, that is the perfect arcade game for you know a game room, or you know if you've got room for one, that is absolutely fantastic. Seems real neat. Oh, if I had four hundred bucks and room i would i would be pre-ordering that right now so mm, very exciting very exciting cool on next uh you can uh oh this is actually so this has actually got 17 days left so this is a good time to talk about this starflight 3 is up for crowdfunding on fig do you want to tell us more about starflight starflight 3 that's a that's a terrible tongue twister of a title so Starflight is one of those games that, you know, was super retro back in the day. This was, uh, I played it on the Commodore 64 to start with. Um, and it was a game that basically was your first kind of, I wouldn't call it open world, but open space kind sure. of game where you didn't have to follow a certain quest line. You know, you could, you could fight, you could trade, you could explore planets, you know, and it was open. You could do any of these different things. And, you know, eventually you could meander down the quest line and finish the game. But sure. Um, and it 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 uh, spawned, you know, the guys that worked on Starflight went on to work on Star Control and Star Control Two, which were two other really amazing retro uh, games like that. So this one, this one has piqued my interest, and I have backed, and I hope it will be awesome. It looks fantastic, just based on the the screenshots and the video we're seeing. Um, currently standing at uh, about almost forty percent of its goal, three hundred thousand of eight hundred thousand. Um, Looks like the minimum is twenty, and that gets you a copy of the game. So that's actually a pretty good deal. Um, Fig is also one of the kind of it's a video game specific crowdfunding site. So you can actually, if you want, um, you can just pledge twenty bucks. But this also gives you the uh, the possibility of actually putting in more money and becoming like actually an investor in the game. Uh, you actually get like kind of a it's it's like stock, but in theory, if the game sells really well, you can actually get. Um, money back as a like an investor in the game so fig's kind of a an interesting unique platform um started by i'm gonna say like some like what's the name from double fine and a couple of other big video game centric folk so that's very cool starflight 3 on uh, at fig.co that uh, i might have to back that one too that looks really cool yeah, I guess uh, just and under that, I said, you know, Bard Tale, Bard's Tale 4, you know, that Starflight piqued my interest. And I love the, you know, the Bard's Tale series was yeah. kind of the same way. And that's coming out soon. You can uh, still pre-order that. And Wasteland 3 as well, you can still pre-order that. So those are... <sighs> so much goodness. Yeah. Old school RPGs. It's great. Do you want to tell us about the new Deadpool Pro pinball machine? Because it looks absolutely amazing. So it is. It I have played it now. We have one in oh. Indianapolis um, at uh, Center Point Brewing, I believe. Um, anyways, it's a great game. It uh, is kind of interesting that this is uh, this design, this play field. This is the first design. Uh, boy, I'm saying this terribly. <laughs> this is the first design this designer has ever made. So oh. this guy came out of nowhere, right? A lot of the pinball machines, you know, you have the old guard from the old days, you know, your uh, yeah. George Gomez and things like that. You know who, John Borg, there's, you know, five or six guys that design play fields. Um, and in the last year, we've had two new designers come out of nowhere. One was Scott Denisi. Well, not out of nowhere, but Scott Denisi created a machine called Total Nuclear Annihilation, which was uh, the game of 2017, the top pinball machine wow. voted everywhere. Um, and then this guy just came out of nowhere, and it's a really innovative, really cool game. 
Um, totally based on the comic book. Um, Brian Posehn, who actually wrote Deadpool for a while, wrote the script for the game. That is cool. Um, Nolan North does the voice of Deadpool like he does in the cartoons. Nolan North can do anything. Like, I, I don't even, like, my voice may be Nolan North right now. <laughs> I'd sound better. Um, so it, it's a really cool looking game. Um, if you see it out there, play it. There's a lot of arcade kind of feel to it. The the game will actually stop and it'll move to the you know the LCD and you'll actually play through different arcade things. It's oh, very irreverent, cool. very Deadpool. The art is amazing. Uh, it retails at six thousand dollars, you know. But that's that's pretty it. standard though, right? That yeah, that's standard for a, a Stern Pro edition. There they, now there are premium and limited editions as well. Um, <laughs> I, I will tell you that the pinball machines in my collection are all the pro models. Oh. <laughs> not the expensive model. Well, you know, not the more expensive Not, not models, the limited? Correct. That's not awesome. the $7,000 ones. That's crazy. Or the, excuse me, $9,000 for the limited for this one. That's so cool. So now, that, that begs the question, and, and you may not know the answer to this, but you may because you know a lot of things that I don't know. Um, so this guy came out of nowhere. How do you... Like, is there like an amateur, like, you know, so you want to become a video game developer. You download a copy of Unity. You download a, you know, watch a bunch of YouTube videos about how to make games in Unity. You practice drawing. You write a script, whatever. Um, and then you can make a video game. How do you, like, amateur make a pinball machine? <laughs> well, so I'll tell you how Scott, Scott Denisi did it with his total nuclear and I, Oh, boy. Total nuclear annihilation. Say that fast. Right? It's hard. He's watched war um, games a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> There's a big pinball show in Chicago every year, mm -hmm. and he actually in his in his basement and garage, you know, he built the cabinet. He he had a friend with a CNC machine, you know, and you can buy parts and toys and flippers and all that kind of stuff from a number of different uh, vendors. So he built his own machine, and they've kind of put out in the last few years. There's a couple different boards. Kind of like the Raspberry Pi, sure. but the Raspberry Pi for pinball machines. Oh. So you can you plug in all your solenoids and your lights and your flippers and all your different things, and you can easily or not easily, but you can program <laughs> all of these um, and you know, just so make it, your own pinball machine. Exactly, and that's what he did. And he took you know pretty much uh, what we call a white wood, so it didn't really have any art on it or any you know very many toys you know he had a few, you know actually that game has no ramps but whatever you know he took it up to this uh, Chicago Expo the Chicago Pinball Expo and showed it off for a year and a half as he was developing it and uh, one of the companies spooky saw it loved it said hey let's produce that and they've made about 400 of them now and are still going that makes that is absolutely insane to me to have the like the knowledge and the drive and the whatever to make your own pinball machine. Like seems like super complicated. Right? I don't know. Crazy. How cool though. Well, good, good for them. Like that's awesome. All right. So next up, um, I don't think this is that, I guess that was news. So I guess Dylan missed his calling already, but that's cool. It's a different Doing podcast. This very backwards. Yeah. It's, it's everything's everything. History. Sideways. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So, so now we're going to get into, uh, well, hold on. Oh, wait, was there, did I miss something? Did you play any retro games this week? Oh, let's see. Did I play any retro games this week? I, I mean, I played Tetris. I played some pinball machines. Did I play anything else retro? No. <laughs> How about you, but Dylan? You play I, I'm guessing the answer is also no. I can't even remember what I did this last week. <laughs> I was in Phoenix a lot of this week, so I played the retro game of sweating every single place I went. 
Yeah. I don't. Yeah. What? Why don't you tell us what retro games you played, Hans? Because something yeah, you tells had a, me you, you had an arcade party. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, well, I mean, we did have a party, but it's funny, you said you were in Phoenix. I played quite a bit of Phoenix uh, with one of my buddies. We just sat there for about an hour trying to get the high score, and I realized how terrible I am at that. I am uh, familiar Fe- with Phoenix. Tell me what Phoenix is. Uh, it is a Galaga, or actually a Galaxian clone. It came out in 1980 by a company called uh, Centauri. Oh, uh, th- they also made, uh, oh, boy, what would what would you know that Centauri made? Uh, Hypersports? Nope. Or, uh, no? Uh, hmm. Actually, so I'm going to say I, I did play a retro game. Now that I think oh. about it, and so did Dylan. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Super Retro. Oh, man. So we played a game at PAX, and I'm going to look it up here because I think it'll probably come up in my, my search history. It is called Super Retro... Oh, Super Retro Maker. Right. So it is not an officially actual retro game, but it's a very cool idea where they looked at Mario Maker and was like, man, there are so many other games I want to play this way. And so they actually made Mario Maker, but for a bunch of like 8-bit, 16-bit uh, like NES games. So you can play, like you can make a level based around Castlevania or you can make a level uh, based around Mega Man or make a level based around, I'm going to say, like, five or six other, like, Nintendo properties. And obviously, it's, like, inspired by. But I did play Super Retro Maker. It's coming out soon. Um, at least one of the guys is actually from Seattle. So we're going to talk to him on this podcast or, or maybe bite me at some point. So that was that was the retro game I played this weekend. It was really, really, really fun to play, like, a Castlevania level as, like, a Metroid character. So I like that. Anyway, back to what you were actually doing. You were playing Phoenix. Well, no, now I want to play that game. Oh, it's so <laughs> cool, man. It's so cool. I cannot wait to make levels for it or probably more appropriately talk a lot about making levels for it and instead play levels made by other people. But it was really fun. It's coming out soon-ish. So Super Retro Maker. Be on the, be on the lookout for that. Yeah, we'll have to follow that yeah, here. That it's sounds good. awesome. Yeah. Anyways, Phoenix is just a Galaxian Galaga kind of clone. Sure. You know, um, you have shields in it, though, which is nice. So Very nice. Kind of. So, yeah, it's just I, I'm a big fan of Centauri games. They were kind of an off. I wouldn't call them off brand, but they weren't one of the bigger sure. manufacturers back in the day. Um, let's see. Would, yeah. Hypersports, Gyrus. I don't know. Yeah. Those are games they made. Nope. But that's all right. <laughs> time Pilot. Do you remember? Time oh, Pilot? I remember Time Pilot. Yeah. I remember there you time go. Pilot. So they made Time Pilot. Good. Stuff. Well, Konami developed Time Pilot, but then they released it, I guess. Good so. enough. They were they were a publisher. That's that's cool. Yeah, very cool. So you you actually had like an arcade party. Yeah, we had uh, some friends over. We were actually supposed to have an outside tiki room party, but then we had a tropical depression land on Indiana, so it rained seven inches. <laughs> oh wow! On Saturday. Yeah. So. So so you do things indoors. Yeah, it turned into an arcade party, which I don't think anyone was upset no, about. I was disappointed about that. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. So what? Uh, what? So so you're bad at you're bad at Phoenix. What is the what, which of your arcade games or arcade games in general do you think you're best at? None of them. <laughs> God, they're hard, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I am terrible at them. I, I like them because I like to fix them up and look at them. I don't like to play them. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Is there one you think you're, you're especially good at, Dylan? Probably. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 most of those games are, I don't want to say too old because that's the, that's the wrong word. But uh, most of them are too hard. <laughs> it's just so different, too. Yeah. It's just such yep. a different, different skill to... than I have nowadays. 
to conquer. Yeah, I played a lot of uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey or Assassin's Creed Origins this week, and that is very, very different than Galaga. So, <laughs> anyway, now we're going to talk crowdfunding. Are you ready? Sure. All right. So the first, like, so the Atari VCS uh, did its crowdfunding. I'm going to say what June? Yeah, it looks like it ended in June, and they were looking for a million dollars, and they got three million dollars. Um. For a box that I would call at this point in the game, I don't know, like a really, really nice looking kind of crappy PC. Does that uh, does that track for you? That's exactly what I'm seeing. It's, you know, it's got a R7 Radeon process or a GPU in it. So it's obviously not going to be playing AAA titles. Nope. But it comes um, loaded with a hundred classic Atari games that... They haven't released which ones those will be. <laughs> yeah, and you know, that's the thing. They put out there, you know, if you go to Target, you can buy a, an Atari retro console yep. that has almost all of those. So it'll be, there. there's just so much around. I'm trying to, I, I'm trying to figure this out, right? So yeah. one, right now, Atari, the Atari nowadays is not the same Atari that existed no. when the 2600 came nope. out. Nope. They've been bought and sold and flipped and things a million times since then. But they also now have a billion dollars. Do they really? Well, I mean, I think so, right? They're probably a pretty huge company at this yeah, point, Yeah, I mean, right? they've, they've had a bunch of successful, at least successful software things over the years. So, yeah, I, I the thing that turned me off most about this entire Kickstarter campaign is when they went to their board and said, like, hey, we're going to – so we're launching the Atari VCS. It's going to retail for two or $300, somewhere in there, right? Um, it looks just like, well, plus controllers and, you know, all the extra stuff you're going to want to get. Um, but we're going to kickstart it in order to lessen the risk to shareholders. And that, to me, was a big red flag in that they don't really know what they're doing. But, man, they're going to make $300 million crowdfunding it. So, I don't know. Um, it runs a custom version of Linux, which to me puts it kind of in the same realm as um, a steam box, which are cool, like granted, but they don't run anything. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe the way this fits in is it's a cool, it's a cool looking game system that maybe could work as like a media PC because it will have that capability. And Valve, I'm going to say two weeks ago, announced that a ton of Valve game or a ton of Steam games are going to start working on Linux via this new, like, kind of Steam wine wrapper that they've created. So, so maybe that's it. You can have a good looking set top box that you can play a hundred plus Atari games on. I assume other emulated games on and uh and maybe a bunch of lesser lesser impactful steam games that still seems like a steep price for a lot of maybes to me yeah i'm glad i didn't back this one yeah. and you know there are so many set top boxes out there that'll play games you know steam boxes or you know the nvidia shield i'm just not yep. sure why they think entering the market now is a good idea yeah well and and so i think from from here Let's let's go backwards. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about other uh, kickstarted, kick funded games 
systems that had existed and uh, and their level of success, which with I think we can we can gauge how successful the VCS will be. Um, <laughs> so I, <laughs> why don't you tell us about the one that you kickstarted? <laughs> well, you know, I've got you know, there's there's one other in the past that we kickstarted, but there's a couple others uh, of. Uh, I think it might be fun to talk about. Uh, yeah, I, I 100% agree. These, those ones are way more interesting than <laughs> the Atari or. Or the Ooh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't decide if that's like, is that Hulk Hogan's voice? Is Ooh, that, yeah. Is, yeah. Is, is that it Macho Man or Kool-Aid Man? Man? Or is it the Kool-Aid Man? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it could be Ooh, any of those yeah. things. So, so you actually kickstarted one of these, Hans, did you? I did in 2012, and I got one in 2013, and realized what a waste of money I had made. So effectively, um, they're like the equivalent nowadays would be any of the. It's the equivalent of playing a game on an Apple TV or playing a game on a Fire Stick, correct? It, exactly. It, it's a it's an Android based. I mean, it, it, at the time, it had a Tegra three Nvidia chip in it. It was fast. But none of the Android games at the time, except for like the five that came out with Yuya, actually supported controllers, right? Yeah. And they were like, oh. yeah. And they, <laughs> it got worse than that because they were like, oh, that's no problem. We made this creepy, weird way to use touch with your controller that never actually worked. Um, so, you know, you could download a touch game on the Yuya, you know, one that you'd normally play on your phone. Yeah. And it, Ooh, and yeah. it sort of worked. Interesting. Do you think it would have worked better if you could have used your actual? F I mean, that seems really redundant at this point. But if you could have like hooked your phone into that ecosystem and used your phone as the touchscreen for its games on your TV, I guess. But now I have the switch. I mean, yeah, you know, exactly. I think, right? Yeah. I mean, it. it it's really. It's. It, I just. I don't think it was a good move. I mean, I was excited about it until I got it and found that the. You know, it was really the software support was yeah. not there for it that they hoped would be there, and then they ran out of money and sold themselves to Razer, and then really? Razer. Yeah. So if you remember, Razer tried an Android platform called the Forge. Yeah. Okay. Now it, I do. Yeah. It. I think the Forge is actually still out there, but basically what Razer did was bought their software team and the software from the Ouya, abandoned the hardware, and then basically all the CEOs and higher-ups at Ouya quit with huh. a big payoff from Razer. Of course. Of course. Um, so do you still have it hooked up? I know. I actually <laughs> – hold on. Let me see. I have it here somewhere. Let me stand up real quick. This might be noisy and not good radio. It's all good um, radio. Nope, I can't put my eyes on it. It's around here somewhere. So it looks so it looks like it's a, like a three inch by three inch cube, maybe four inch by four inch. Yeah, yeah, it's about right. Yeah. Um, and Bluetooth controllers. I mean, it was it was neat, and there were a couple games that were interesting, but overall, it was just it it, it died because it didn't have good software support, yeah, yeah. right? So I guess the question is: is how much did you pay to kickstart it? Ninety five dollars. Ah, that's not bad. That's not bad at N all. No, and I mean I have it. It's it, it's in my retro collection of terrible ideas. <laughs> it beats paying money for like a I don't know the Nintendo 3D one. So, oh, I have one of those too. Ouch! Wait, really? Yeah, of course I do. You have a Virtual Boy. Yeah. Huh? Come out and play it. No, I've played them before. I I don't need like <laughs> migraine headaches fifteen minutes after staring into that thing. Those things are terrible. Yeah, we had one at uh, when I worked at Software Etc. We had one on our counter. Every single Software Etc. in America got one when they launched, and yep. I think we sold three 
but you know, whatever. Um, so now as a, as a comparison, the Atari VCS made $3 million kickstarting it on a significantly more expensive platform. That thing is, uh, you had to be into the 200 and I'm going to say, let's see, I can scroll down $240 tier in order to actually get a, uh, Atari VCS versus the Ouya that made $8.5 million and you only had a hundred dollars. So that makes me really, really, really wonder even more about the, the, uh, the VCS. So that, I mean, if you divide out the math, like I said, they have a $329 one too. So these things are coming uh, effectively a year from last month. We got an 11 month countdown on uh, VS. Do you guys want the VCS? Do you guys want to put uh, a little line out on the sand and say whether or not you think they will actually show up on time? I'm because say, go ahead. It's off the shelf hardware. I think it will. Okay. Dylan? No. Yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> well, think about <laughs> think about this, right? So next year, this time, it's you know the end of 2019. Yep. It's going to have an R7 in it. Yep. That's what three generations old now. Yep. Four. <laughs> I mean, it will be able to run Atari games. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that's something, right? Breakout, Super Breakout, Marathon. <laughs> maybe river raid if they get the activision license back which i'm you know that that actually also concerns me right yeah atari didn't make good games activision made all their good games all their good games came from third-party developers because atari was terrible to their developers terrible absolutely terrible so i guess i guess that's the question is is if anyone listening actually pre-ordered one of these things i don't know anyone that has pre-ordered a vcs but i'm really 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 curious why like is it just the nostalgia factor is it the the form factor? Is it the little joystick that looks, I mean, granted, it looks exactly like an original Atari joystick, but I don't know if that's actually a selling point. Um, like, what made you think that this was something to back for multiple hundreds of dollars? I would love, love, love to hear what people have to say and why they actually kickstarted one of these. Maybe I'll put it out on Twitter, too, see if we can get someone to, uh, to tell us why, why they think that... Uh, a, you know, $250, $300 Atari box is the way to go. So anyway, we should turn now to things that are far, far, far more interesting than the Atari box. We're going to talk about uh, things that were not kickstarted, but uh, didn't, didn't ever really exactly exist, um, except in some very conceptual ways. Um, tell, tell me about the Phantom Entertainment System. So Phantom, this is really interesting because they actually uh, – might have had a box and they might not have. Yeah. Um, it, it, hence the Phantom. Uh, so this company came out of nowhere in 2004. And so remember, this is 14 years ago. And think about your broadband access now. <laughs> I, let's see. 2004, I lived in Park City, Utah, and my internet was one or one and a half megabit. Yep. No, me too. <laughs> I mean, I didn't live in Park City, but I had a, a you know equivalent of a T1. Yep. Um, they were going to do internet streaming of games <laughs> for $10 a month after you bought, you know, a $300 box to put on. And, but they had, you know, good intentions, right? They wanted to take PC hardware that was upgradable inside the box. You could set it on top of your, you know, TV. And yep. back then that wasn't a thing you did, right? No. Um, and, but then they wanted to stream it. So, <laughs> 
And like, think about on live that are, is on live even still a thing now? And they tried to do that. What a year or two ago when broadband was actually a thing. There are a couple of places that are doing it relatively successfully now. Um, I think on live is still successful. Um, Nvidia has, um, maybe it's called Nvidia live. I don't know. I've tested the Nvidia one and the Nvidia one actually is, is quite good. Um, but, but to like stream at 1080, you need, um, I think 30 megabits a second or 40 megabits a second. So something that you were not definitely not seeing in, uh, in, you know, 2004. Oh yeah. I mean, and not only the, the speed, but you need to have your round trip time to the server has to be faster than your, you know, 20 or 30 milliseconds exactly. or you're going to lag out. Right. Exactly. Um, so the phantom, they tried this, they actually brought one to E3. Um, there is a, it is alleged that the box was actually empty yes. and it was just streaming from a PC behind a curtain. Now, whether or not that actually happened, it, you know, that that's alleged. I won't go there. Yeah. Um, I will say that uh, the Hard OCP, which is a big hardware modding site back in the day, I know they still exist, but back in the day they were where you went, and Ars Technica both actually have seen boxes, phantom boxes that had internals in them, you know, chips and stuff, yep. but they never actually saw one working. That's crazy. So, so now, so, and then the, yeah. C <laughs> the this is CEO got brought up on uh, charges for in the SEC and they lost $67 million or $63 million, excuse me, and fell apart. So now I have heard rumors that there are people, past game companies that have seen these recently, people have tried to pawn them, people have tried to you know, sell them to collectors. Um, but the, the person will, it'll often be like, well, I need to authenticate this. I need to, uh, you know, I need to do some research, you know, like come back and, and we'll talk about it. the person never comes back. Do you think they're, do you think they, do you think one exists in the wild or do you think that it's all just smoke and mirrors and people trying to, to make something off the name? Uh, I think if one exists, that's all fine and dandy, but I don't think, you know, it won't do anything without the hardware back end. Yeah, right. So, and which is probably why they don't ever come back because they're like, oh, whoops. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I've never seen one. You know, I, I'd never seen the next thing we were going to talk about until this year. Oh, and God. I actually saw one in the wild. And Did touched you really? It, so, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's go on to uh, the Super NES CD-ROM. So back uh, when Super Nintendo was a thing before PlayStation, yep. uh, Sony approached Nintendo and said, hey, Let's get together and be partners, and we will develop the SNES CD, much like the Sega Genesis had a CD attachment, right? Super uh, Nintendo was like, hey, this would be a great idea. Let's do the same thing. Um, so there was actually development. The thing actually exists. I've touched it. I've played one. It was at uh, our local Louisville Arcade Expo uh, this year and last year. Um, someone found one and actually got it working again. I, I um, there I read about that. It is absolutely insane to me that this thing was was real. Like not not only just real. Like I can understand how how that happened, but the fact that it it works and it turns on and that you can actually like play things on it is incredible. Well, it it gets even more interesting, I think, because uh they went to CES, Sony and Nintendo did, and they said, "Hey, look at this great thing we've done." We're going to put this out for Christmas or whatever, right? Oh, and geez. so the next day, Nintendo gets on stage with Philips. And, you know, Philips is a huge competitor yeah. to Sony back then. Yep. 
and says, oh, by the way, we partnered with Philips and they can now use a bunch of our Nintendo characters and Zelda and Mario for their Philips CDI. For the CDI platform. That's crazy. So, and then, of course, as soon as Sony saw that, things fell apart and the PlayStation became a thing. So, you can thank Nintendo for the PlayStation. What could have been, though? I mean... Like one I, less console in the console wars. Yeah, one less console. And I mean, I mean, it could have been good, could have been bad. I don't, you know, I, I've always kind of wondered if Nintendo actually kind of benefited from not making that jump to CD right away. It kept it kind of, I'm going to say kid focused just because I think a lot of their, you know, they, the stuff couldn't be hyper realistic. Um, you know, the, the N64 had a certain type of game, I think, partially because of its hardware limitations. Um, and you know, I mean, even you could be the same with, said the same with the GameCube is it was very different than a DVD based system. So I don't know. That's crazy. Yeah. It, I, I want to have one. <laughs> I want to own is, one. Is there maybe. only, is there only one in existence? I am not sure. I know there's only one working and you know, yeah. there are, uh, it's like arcade games, right? There's. We don't know because some collector or yeah. somebody might have one in their basement that, you know, they don't yeah. care to tell anyone about. So, yeah. And I love that, like, the guy found it and then, like, lovingly restored it. That's absolutely incredible. Well, and I appreciate that he started bringing it around to shows, yeah. right? I mean, it's, you know, absolutely cool to incredible. see. It's a piece of history, yeah. a very interesting piece of the, the console history. Yeah, you, you hear about that all that time, too. Like, it's one of those things we talked a little bit of last time about, like, preservation of hardware and software. And, and this is the same thing where it was he won it at an auction when they auctioned off a bunch of other, you know, stuff from a, a company called Advanta going out of business. And it was, you know, the former CIO, or CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment, uh, you know, had just kept it there and... They, you know, they sold it off, and so he randomly got it that way. That's just, just such a, such a thing. But that happens all the time, where you know, old workstations get auctioned off at, you know, these big liquidation events, and they, they turn them on and find out there's, you know, game code that never got done, or game code that did get done. But you know, it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to archive and, and preserve all that stuff. So good for, good for him for doing it and getting it working. That's incredible. Yeah, we'll have to. You know, there's a lot of arcade games and also pinball machines that, you know, during the crash or any of the crashes of the pinball or <laughs> the arcade. Multiple crash, crashes. Yeah, that, you know, they're out there somewhere or half done. Yeah. Um, actually, what's interesting, the game that uh, one of the games on that uh, arcade one up that Best Buy has, Major Havoc. Major Havoc was released three quarters of the way done. So right now there are guys out there working with the original programmer of major havoc to finish the game. And they're actually going to release the ROMs, you know, and some board work that you can go into your major havoc and complete the game. I love it. So yeah, it's, there's, there's neat stuff happening out there right now. You know, with the, it's just a cool time to be a nerd. I love it. All right. On to questions. Um, does Vinny get an intro on this podcast too? Hey, yo Vinny, I guess he does. As long as he's asking a question. <laughs> Who knew? All right. Vinny's question is, what game do you think you spent the most money on in an arcade? Tuffy, how about you? You want to start us out, Hans? Um, so I have two. I will say the retroist of retro was probably Dig Dug. Oh, God. Like, see, I played that on the Commodore 64, so I played that one for free. Lucky you. Right. Um, and then 
through high school, it was, and I have this now, which makes me undyingly happy, uh, Daytona USA. Oh, nice. Um, my friends and I, we'd find link, linked ones and just go to town for hours and spend all our money just racing each other and having a good time. I mean, I probably spent a good couple $300 on Daytona. That's crazy. I, uh, for me, I, I'm going to say three different games. Um, and I don't have any idea how much I've actually spent on them. Um, I used to go and play, I talked about this last time, I used to play Double Dragon a ton at the 7-Eleven by my house. And that wasn't ever more than like 75 cents or a dollar at a time. Um, but, uh, you know, I did it for years and years all during the summer. We'd go get Slurpees and play Double Dragon. So I put a lot of money into that. Um, and I've played did that you up. ever beat it oh, in the arcade? No, 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 no. It's uh, The funny thing is it didn't really... With a dollar or 75 cents, I could get to the same place almost every time. And I think it was just kind of one of those those points in that game where unless you were really willing to spend past it, you were going to have a hard time doing it. I've beaten it since. I've beaten it on, like, MAME emulators. And it's actually a very, very, very short game if you have unlimited continues, So, um, as a lot of them are. Um, I spent... And I think I guess maybe that's the thing is is when I when I played arcade games I tended to just like play a bunch of them not play one for a bunch of money I spent like probably five or ten dollars on Afterburner one time um, and did beat that so I was there with a buddy and we just pumped a bunch of money to Afterburner which I thought was really cool until Hans told me <laughs> that literally if you just keep pumping quarters in that game you'll win <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I felt worse about myself after saying, like, hey, that's the first arcade game I ever beat. Um, Pay to win. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, I found that out by someone had coined it up in my basement, and I was like, wait, it's on the kill screen or the win screen. <laughs> I was like, oh, look at that. Oh, that makes me feel bad. Um, the third game that I've spent the most money on, and I played this at the Nickel Arcade, so it was like Entrance Plus, I think. I think that was actually a, a $0.10 game. Um, so I probably didn't spend a ton of it, but I put a bunch of continues into it. Um, is perhaps the worst shooting game ever made, um, Revolution X featuring Aerosmith. Um, <laughs> my brother and I beat that game. It was really, really, really bad. <laughs> Had a bunch of licensed Aerosmith songs in it, and I think you shot CDs maybe. I don't know. You did. Terrible you did. game. Terrible yeah. game. But I put a bunch Bel of money into that one. Believe it or not, I actually want a Revolution X for my collection. No, I can I can see that. I mean, it's I think Revolution X sits in a very particular time um, in everything where people liked Aerosmith and video games and arcade games all at the same time. Like that's a that's a pretty pretty narrow amount of time. I think it is, and it's a terrible game. But yeah. it's like the Journey game. I want that as well, yeah. just because of the. You know, the tie-in, the music, yep. exactly what you said. I hear you. I hear you. Dylan? It'd probably be the Dungeons & Dragons arcade game. Oh, I God, guess. that game's so good. That's probably the one that I tried to beat. Other than Rambo, the Rambo game, I I know I paid so enough to win it. which Rambo game? The, the, the like, shooty-shoot one where you shoot with guns or the, the arcade-y? I think it was a shooty-shoot with guns. Yeah, I played that at uh, Gameworks pretty recently. Yeah. It's It's pretty bad. But it has a bunch of cuts actually from the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I just know I beat it, so therefore I probably spent some money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't that, know. That works. Good, good. Do you re do you remember if I'm sorry, Dylan, no. do you remember if the Dungeons and Dragons if it was Tower of Doom or Shadows over Mysteria? Ooh. The first or the second one, I guess. Probably the second one. Mysteria. Mystera. Mystera? Yeah. yeah. 
The funny thing, curious. The funny thing is, is he said Dungeons and Dragons, and in my head, I heard Dragon's Lair. So that's cool too. <laughs> I, I pumped a lot of money into Dragon's Lair too, just because bunch of money Don Bluth. Lair, it was so hard, and Don Bluth. Yep, exactly. Laser discs, amazing. All right. Um, I think last before we sign off, uh, uh, we're going to have a high score competition this month. What? So between, uh, I, I would say between the time that this podcast launches officially to uh, our wide audience, it'll go up today for Patreons and then it'll go again uh, next week for everyone. Um, in between, like, so next Monday, which is going to be like the 17th, I'm going to say. Does that seem right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Let's, from... let's say the 17th uh, through like the the 17th of next month. We're going to see who can get the highest score on uh, the game that uh, it it probably won't be Hans apparently uh is on no. is we're going to get the high score on Phoenix. So I will link out uh to where you can go uh and play that on, ar- on archive.org. I guess it's archive.org/details/arcade_phoenix. You can play that game just on your internet browser. Can you can you hook up a controller to your uh PC and play it, do you know? I have not tried. Eh, whatever. I, I should try. Yeah, or get a get a get it on a MAME emulator. Do whatever you want. Play it. Play it somehow, and we'll see who can get the highest score between now and uh, a month from next Monday. So the the seventeenth of September through the seventeenth of October. All right. Where should they put that? Just post it to the Facebook group. There are so many places you can put that. You can uh, you can email us at bite me at bitemepodcast dot com. You can hit us up in our Discord. You can hit us up on facebook dot com slash bite me podcast, twitter dot com slash bite me podcast. Uh, we do have a private Facebook group. I don't know what the address for it is, but if you come to any of those other places, we can help you out. So that's where you can find us. That's where you're going to email us that uh, that high score. Just send us a picture. And uh, we, we will see who the winner will be. I'm going to set up my main box tonight. We'll uh, we'll try Phoenix. Do it. I will. Uh, I will send somebody something cool Ooh. if they can beat me. Wait, we've got yeah. prizes. Ooh. I didn't know we had prizes. Yeah. prizes. yeah, there'll be a prize. Awesome. I love prizes. All right. Well, I think that wraps us up for this week. This podcast went way longer than it's supposed to, but who cares? Because we love games. Uh, anything else to add before we sign off? No, man. Cool. Hit you us know. up in Discord. Yeah, definitely. We have Discord's, our own channel now. Discord is a fun place, and we do have our own 8-bit bite channel, so so hang out. Uh, Dylan? Bite me. But with 8 bits or something. Anyway. 8-bit bite me. There you go. <laughs> <laughs>